Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. One of the holiness heroes of the past was J. Wesley Adcock. He spent the majority of his life in Christian education as well as evangelism. And this sermon he preached well over 50 years ago, and it's titled, Draw Nigh to God. You're sure to enjoy this powerful sermon. Keep passing it on and on. even of your love that war in your members. Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do ye think that the Scripture saith in vain, The Spirit that dwelleth in you lusteth to envy? But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Would you please stand for prayer? And Brother French, would you ask the Lord to help me today? Yes. Please do.
If you listened attentively while I read this short scripture lesson, I think you might well agree with me that if a preacher were prompted of the Holy Ghost to preach on the subject of prayer, but he wasn't just sure what verse to use as a text, he could find a good one here. Especially is that so if he were going to preach on the subject of prayer and deal with hindrances to prayer. Or if an individual were prompted of the Holy Ghost to preach on the subject of grace, but he didn't know for sure what verse he should use for the subject, he could certainly find a good one here. He giveth more grace. How much more, preacher? Well, more. And how much more, preacher? Well, still more. More until he hasn't left us with the amount. There isn't any measuring stick to use to tell how much more, just more and more and more. If a preacher were prompted to preach on the subject of holiness, he didn't know for sure what verse to use, he could find a good text here for that vital subject. Or if a per preacher were prompted of the Holy Ghost to preach on the subject of worldliness, but he didn't know for sure what verse to use, this fourth verse of the fourth chapter would certainly be a rich, strong one for that subject. Well, I think by this time you could agree with me that my short scripture lesson abounds with good texts. But there is another text that I haven't mentioned yet that is here that I do want to deal with in some limited measure at least, and that subject is dealt with in the seventh and eighth verses, a part of verse 7 and a part of verse 8. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I'm glad for those precious promises. I'm not sure that I have quoted in my Christian experience any two promises so woven together, as it were here, as many times as I have these two promises. I'm glad they're a part of my Bible and a part of yours. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. As surely as there is night and there is day, so surely there are two spirits in the world, the good spirit, God. God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So 
There is a good spirit in God. There is an evil spirit. Just as truly as there is a personal God, so surely there is a personal devil. Just as surely as there is a personal God, the same has our best interest at heart in the light of all eternity. And just as surely as that is true, this evil spirit, the devil, has our destruction for all eternity, our doom at heart. Well, I'm glad for some help somebody gave us in reminding us that we have here the foe, the fight, and the flight. The foe, the fight, and the flight are followed by the de duty, or the defense, the duty, and the delight. <clears throat> I'm glad for these precious promises, as I have reminded you, but notice, if you will, some facts about this foe. One reason some people don't get along any better spiritually than they do is because they don't know better what this book says about this foe. Some people never would have gotten whipped in the fist fight if they had known what a good fighter the other fellow was before they climbed on for a fight. And some people never would be overcome by the devil if they realized more fully and clearly and distinctly what this book has to say about this foe. I'm persuaded myself to believe that if some knew more fully and distinctly what the Bible says about this foe, they never would have talked about giving the devil a black eye. Some time ago I went 40 or so miles from home, from Frankfort, Indiana, where we were living, over to Elwood, Indiana, where there was an indoor camp meeting going on. And the evangelist wanted us preachers to stand and account to be made. We stood, somebody counted, I think there were 29 of us preachers there, and that evangelist told us preachers for us to hold the devil and he would skin him. What foolish talk. The devil is too much for all of the evangelists put together. And the devil is too much for all of the pastors put together. And he's too much for all of both of them put together. If you don't believe he's a powerful foe, just consult the book. In Jude we learn that not just an angel, but Michael, the archangel, durst not bring a railing accusation against the devil 
but rebuke him in the name of Jesus. And you may rebuke him all you please as long as you do it in the name of Jesus, but if you don't put that in, you would better not attempt to resist the devil or to contend with him or give him a black eye. You have a losing battle within yourself. The only way of victory is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Bless his name forever. Again and again I get down on both knees and praise the Lord for his having gotten the victory over the devil in the wilderness. And he got the victory over the devil in Gethsemane. And he got the victory over the devil at the cross, doing there what he left heaven to do. And he got the victory over the devil at the tomb, coming forth conqueror over death, hell, and the grave. And blessed be his name now and forever. I'm so glad that I don't have to cope with the devil in my name or in the name of my family tree, and I don't have to cope with him in the name of the church, but I can resist him in the precious name of the sinless, spotless Savior that has already conquered him and is more than a match for him in both time and eternity. Blessed be the name of the Most High God. Yes, I'm a failure if I try to cope with him in my name, but if I'll do the resisting in the name of Jesus, I can come off the battlefield more than a conqueror, and so can you. Bless his name now and forevermore. But this foe is more than a powerful foe. This foe is a diligent foe. You that have heard my co-laborer preach so forcefully again and again and over and over uh, dealt with a matter of diligence, surely realize something of the importance of the same and something of the fact of his believing in diligence, working at the job and keep on, keep on working. Well, I, I remind you that the devil is a diligent foe. He doesn't take vacations. He works at the job around the clock. He's on the job around the year, the whole entire year. He's a diligent foe. If you want to get that illustrated to you from the scriptures, you can find it there in the example of Jesus the Christ. Jesus was baptized in Jordan, and the Spirit of the Lord drove him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And there he was in the wilderness, and the devil tempted him, tempted him to turn stones into bread. And Jesus didn't triumph over him in his deity, but he did triumph over him in his, uh, by his uh, spirit and by the word of God. I'm glad for that. I'm certainly not deity. I'm certainly not divine, but I do have the word and I do have the blessed Holy Ghost.
And Jesus said, it is written, <laughs> and it is still written, and it is still written. It is forever settled in heaven, where the people that want to destroy it can't get there, and the people that can get there don't want to destroy it. Glory to his great worthy name. Well, you might have thought that since the devil was defeated so fully on that first temptation, that he never would attempt to tempt the Savior again. But he did. And the second temptation was more subtle than the first. In what sense, preacher? Well, the second time the devil used some scripture. You better be careful, and so had you and so had I, that we don't take the attitude that this and this that they want you to buy at your door, or if they can't get you to buy, want to give it to you. Better be careful that you don't conclude this must be right. Look here, preacher. Look how much scripture he has. You can take scripture out of its setting and teach erroneous doctrine and ridiculous teaching can be yours if you follow that course of concluding that just because it's scripture it has to be good. You can take it out of its setting. You can use wrong interpretation. I tried to remind students something of how ridiculous it could be. You say, uh, Judas went out and hanged himself. And in another place, it says, Go and do thou likewise. And in another place, it says, What thou doest, do quickly. That's a scriptural example of how ridiculous you can be with the word of God itself. So, the devil didn't give up in his diligence. He came the second time and tempted Jesus, but Jesus triumphed over him again. The devil didn't stop at two temptations. He came the third time and tempted Jesus. But I'm so glad that Jesus got the victory over him and the devil left. And as far as I know, as far as I know, never did tempt Jesus again. Well, I'm glad that we can triumph through the precious blood of Jesus by the word and by the blessed Holy Ghost. Praise his name forever. But this Bible that teaches that the devil is a diligent foe and a, and a, and a diligent foe and a, what's the other one? Somebody help me. A powerful foe, thank you. A powerful foe and a diligent foe. But that's not all. He's a foe that works by malice. Or to say that in another way, he is bent 
on destroying your and your and my true happiness. I wish I had 10,000 teenagers to preach to now. That's one of the reasons the devil tries to get young ladies to dress suggestively and tries to get them to act suggestively on the date and tries to get young fellows to be suggestive in their words or in their attitudes or in their actions on the date. He is bent on destroying your true happiness. And that's one of the reasons the same devil attempts gray-haired men and gray-haired women along one line or along another is because he is bent on destroying the true happiness of us when our hair is frosted with years and it changes color without our aiding it in so doing. Yes, sir, he works by malice. He, he, he didn't come to give old, older people presents and prizes. He didn't come to give teenagers presents. He came to destroy us regardless of our age. Well, I'm glad we don't have to be defeated just because it works by malice, but that ought to be enough to constrain us to see for ourselves that back of that temptation and back of the other is an awful devil that is powerful and diligent working by malice. Not only so, that this same devil that works by these ways is also working even in our day uh, with a terrible strategy. To say that in another way, he comes transformed as an angel of light. That's one reason why you ought to be careful about who you take into the church. It may be he poses as looking for a, a, a spiritual church. And it may be, if you knew the whole truth, you would know that he left some back tracks over there where he broke up somebody's home before he came over to your church. Better be careful about uh, taking in that young fella into your youth group that is rather glib in speech and polished in appearance and driving a flashy car. You better be a little careful about taking him into your youth group. He may help to destroy every bit of spiritual emphasis you have there. He, he comes transformed as an angel of light. That's one reason why young ladies ought to be cautious and careful when somebody wants to have a hurry-up wedding. You better be okay. I tell you what you do. Put him on six months or a year, better, a year's probation. Let him prove himself. Some time ago, in a, another state, and I think I could tell you which one, but let's leave that out. In another state, there was a man that came to a certain church and went to the altar and supposedly got religion, got saved, and right away got interested in a fine young lady of the church and wanted to have a hurry-up wedding. The pastor was jubilous uh, and a, a, a bit uh, against the whole matter and de dealt with the young lady of his church and tried to warn her, and she reminded him or declared to him that uh, this was a, a fine fellow. They were in love and they were going to get married. But the pastor didn't let it go with that. He wrote a letter or letters 
uh, to another state and learned that that man in another state had a woman and a number of children. Yes, sir, there is a devil that works by malice with a terrible strategy, transforming himself into as an angel of light. And if he can't get you on that count, he, he doesn't stop there. He comes in the subtlety of the serpent and, and tries to cheat you out in that respect. Well, I'm glad the Lord is able to help us if we will cling to the Lord Jesus. He can see us through in spite of all of the subtleties of the devil, whether he comes transformed as an angel of light or whether he comes as a serpent. Howsoever how he comes, it's wonderful to know that we can be more than conquerors through Jesus. Amen. There is at least one other fact about uh, the foe, and that is the fact that he, this foe, has much, yea, very much experience. He didn't start destroying the human family two centuries ago. He didn't start two millenniums ago. He didn't start 4,000 years ago. He's had around 6,000 or more years of experience, and he doesn't have to send off and order a book to read and try to see how to handle your case, and he doesn't have to order a book to see how to handle your case or mine. He's already had somebody so much like you or like me. He knows how to handle individuals. He, he, no wonder that the word is resist the devil. There is but one way to get along with the devil and not be defeated that I know of, and that's to resist him. If you, if you try to out-reason him, he can out-reason you every time. He can give you a reason for this and a reason for that and out-reason you on one line and another but I'm so glad that God Almighty is more mighty than the devil and is able to make us to triumph through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I, I pass from the foe to the fight. I pass from the foe to the fight. The foe is the devil, and the fight is wrapped up in that one word, resist. Resist the devil. Resist him. And, preacher, how are you supposed to resist him? I don't need to tell some people that. I don't need to answer that question for some. They've had more experience than I. They know more about how to resist the devil than I do. But I know a little bit about it. One fact is the fact that if we're going to resist him and have the victory as we ought to, if we're going to be more than conquerors over him, then we'll need to resist him instantly instantly. Some women would not have had the regret they had if, if they had not let that high-pressured salesman get his foot inside of the door and deliver that high-pressured sales talk and, and sold them something they didn't want. I say they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have lost their money. They wouldn't have gotten hooked. If, if they had just resisted the high-pressured salesman instantly, 
And if you and I are going to be victorious as we ought to be, we'll need to resist him instantly. Let me be more specific than that. Don't wait until your affections get entwined about somebody else's wife uh, to resist the devil. Oh, oh yes, if, if you don't do it before then, do it then, but don't wait until then. Resist him on the very first suggestion in that direction. Don't let the devil get you uh, hooked on a lustful practice just because just because the devil came along and tempted you. If you're going to be victorious, don't wait until your affections are entwined around somebody else's husband to resist, but resist instantly. Don't wait until grudges and bitterness and ill will and malice get built up in your heart to resist the devil in that direction, but resist him on the very first suggestion about getting even with him or, or hating him or being uh, uh, Ill will, uh, having ill will in your heart toward him or her. Don't wait on the date until lust gets on fire to resist him or to resist her, but in the very first suggestion in the wrong direction, resist him or resist her, and you can keep your virtue and keep God's smile of approval upon you if you already have it, but there is real danger, grave danger, if you and I don't resist the devil instantly. While we resist him instantly, we need to resist him. We need to resist him instantly, yes, but that's not all. We need to resist him courageously. I don't know much about wolves, only I have read a little, and I understand that if you approach a wolf and show no measure of cowardice, he'll stand his grounds. But that if you show measure of cowardice, he'll, if you show measure of cowardice, he will stand his grounds. But if you show no measure of cowardice, he will, I hope you don't ever have to have this. I didn't used to have it, but my Heavenly Father knows all about it. And he doeth all things well. I've told him he's better to me than I ever could deserve. But if you show no measure of cowardice, you may expect the wolf to stand his grounds. But if you show that you're afraid, you may expect him to get the victory over you. We'll need to be courageous, and we can be courageous if we resist him in the name of Jesus. And if we don't resist in the name of Jesus, we may expect to be defeated. The Lord help us to see. This is not all we need to resist the devil continuously. Preacher, you're talking about resisting the devil. Preacher, I did that last winter. I hope you did, but that won't take care of these hot summer days. Especially when some individuals profess to be saved and maybe sanctified too and go down there to the mixed bathing beach where they're almost start nude. 
I say we'll need to resist him instantly and boldly and continuously. It isn't enough that you resisted him last week. You'll need to resist him the rest of this week. It isn't enough that you resisted him yesterday. You'll need to resist him the rest of today. Continuously. I don't think my preacher friend, Brother Ermel Wilson, with whom it was my privilege to labor in Tennessee camp and, and at a camp in Ohio, declared mother uses quite a bit of that. That 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 mother used quite a bit of was baking soda. Well, in these days when individuals use hand biscuits as substitute for those delicious ones that grandmother could make, you may, you may be disappointed as some other people are disappointed. And I guess they don't need as many baking powders or soda, either one, as they used to when, well, Sister Wilson, Mother Wilson, though, knew how to bake some biscuit her own. And so he seemed to think they ought to take a good supply to the mission field, a good supply of baking soda to the mission field. If I remember correctly, they bought a whole case of baking soda, went to the mission field in Africa, a mission field in Africa, and stayed seven or so years, and when they got ready to come home, they had some baking soda left. You can buy enough baking soda to last seven years and have some left over, but you can't store up, you can't store up resistance of the devil like that. We'll need to resist him continuously. Some years ago, there was a woman, as I understood, on in one of the countries of the continent of Europe that got put in prison evidently for Jesus' sake and understood she got her a piece of metal and went over on the wall or by the wall with that piece of metal carved the letters that formed the word uh, that I'm trying to emphasize, the word resist. She carved resist once, she carved it twice, she carved it thrice, she carved it four times, she kept on carving resist over the wall for 40 years. No wonder she could come off of the battlefield more than a conqueror, so more people could be victorious if they would resist the devil, not only instantly and boldly, but continuously. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Furthermore, we need to resist the devil unitedly. No wonder the devil tries to get some people in the Bible Methodist Church to get it, it out with each other. No wonder at all that he does. No wonder that the devil tries to get uh, people to fall out with each other and to be bitter and, and have ill will and unforgiveness toward one another. No wonder at all. And if we could somehow look behind that woman that is uh, acting up against uh, the way and will of God or man, if you could just look and see the true picture, surely behind that woman over there, not in sight, behind her or behind the man is an awful devil 
that is an evil spirit, and he is he is not going to give up easily, and and especially does he try to bring discord and division. Did, did you notice that in the Bible it says one can chase a thousand? And did you hear him say two could chase two thousand? No, 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 you didn't see that. One can chase a thousand, but two can put, thank you, brother, ten thousand. <laughs> no wonder the devil tries to get discord over at your church and yours and others. No wonder at all. Two could, tell me some of you mathematicians out there, if two could put a thousand to fly, if, if one could put a thousand to fly, how many could twenty-two put to fly? Well, if you've got that, gotten that figured out already, tell me how many could fifty-seven put to fly? Did they work together, prayed together, lived uh, victoriously over uh, the devil in relationship to one another? Well, if you've already gotten that uh, worked out and figured out, tell me. Tell me how many could seventy-seven put to fly if they were to work unitedly? Oh, the Lord help us to see. Amen. There is at least one other way we need to resist the devil, at least one other. I don't know how many others, but one other way we need to resist the devil is by the aid of the tried armor. Did you see down there at that store where they have an army surplus supplies? Do you see what they're doing? Selling, selling, selling. What's wrong? Has Uncle Sam gone out of the military business, having no, no provision whatsoever for battles to triumph over and conquer the foe? Oh, no, no. No. They, they just found some better, better supplies. And they're, they're buying different ones or different kinds uh, as to what they used to. Well, back there somewhere in the past, God Almighty fixed his people until from top to toe they have all of the equipment that they need as far as uh, shielding themselves, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, have their loins girt about with truth, and have on the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. Brother, that's protection on protection. Amen. And you uh, have good news for you. That armor was sufficient in Martin Luther's day. That that our Heavenly Father fixed up for us in the sixth chapter, as is recorded in the sixth chapter of Ephesians, and that same, that same Jesus that saw us through on other lines is able to see us through on this line. Uh, th that, to say it in another way, that armor that was sufficient for your grandmother's day is sufficient for our day, and that armor that was sufficient for your great great greatest it will stay under the blood, Amen. under the atoning blood. One way to get close to God is by pleading the blood. 
Another way is by thanksgiving and praise. Thanksgiving and praise. Some time ago I was having a battle trying to pray. And if there's anybody here that never does have a prayer battle, if there's even one here like that, I wish you would be kind enough after service this afternoon to come around and tell me how to get over where you are. I'd like to get to that. But I was having another prayer battle, and I told, talked uh, to my Heavenly Father along this line, Now, Lord, I don't know when you're going to bless me again. I don't know when it is going to be, but I want to thank you now for whenever it's going to be. What would you guess happened? I believe some of you know what happened. Must have happened to you once. Well, I can tell you this, I didn't have to wait till next year for it to happen. I didn't have I didn't have to wait till the next month came. I didn't have to wait for another day to come. So instantly, so suddenly, <laughs> fresh blessing from the glory world struck my soul. If you want to draw up close to the Lord, just do a good job of thanking Him and praising Him. Somebody, somebody expressed it something like this. Don't ask the Lord for another blessing until you get, uh, until you uh, get him, uh, until you have, just give me a little time. Well, I praise him for this much help. I, I was in such a bad shape before I even came on the platform, I didn't know whether I could preach at all or not. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. My wife has been willing to stay home and take care of the children and keep the home fires burning, as it were, and let me go for years to try to reach souls. I appreciate it more than I know how to say. And, and she has been concerned about me in this affliction. In fact, she was so concerned that she was afraid that if I tried to preach with all of this shaking, that it would distract the people. But just the blessing here is enough to help us to see that there are still some understanding saints that will bear with an individual when he can't get along any better than this. <laughs>
I'm glad of one thing that I don't have to quit just because I can't work like I used to. I'm glad I don't have to quit on what little I can do. Bless his name forever. Some time ago I was in prayer and having another prayer battle, and I believe the Lord gave me a little spiritual secret. I never read it in anybody's book, I never heard anybody say it, but it was like this. When you come to the end of a prayer battle, punctuate it with the faithfulness of God and mark to be continued. In other words, in other words, now, Father, I don't know why you didn't bless me this time as you have before, but I know one thing, you're faithful, and I'll be back. And if you can keep that heart attitude, and if you can keep that heart attitude, <laughs> you, can, you can triumph through the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord forever. Now he let me think of what I was trying to think of. Don't ask the Lord for another blessing. And I got there and got bogged down. But don't ask him for another blessing until you have received him in full for the last blessing you got. Have you, have, have you received him in full for the last blessing? If you have, I have good news for you. You may receive him two times. It'll be all right. And if you aren't in a, too big of a hurry, you might receive him 22 times. That'll be all right, too. Praise the Lord forever. There is at least one other way, and how many more, I don't know, but at least one other way to draw nigh to God. And that is on the grounds of the father, son, or father, daughter, in your, in your lady, uh, case, ladies, on the grounds of that relationship with our heavenly father, we have, we have solid grounds for drawing nigh to God. Let me see if I could simplify or clarify. There are two young Adcocks. One of them is an orthopedic surgeon and one of them is a dentist. And those two young Adcocks have outgrown Dad, both taller than I. But those young fellas can walk up to the door and turn the knob and walk right in. They don't even have to ask permission. You know why, don't you? That, that father-son relationship gives them access that other young fellows don't know about. 
And when you got adopted into the Heavenly Father's family, and when you got adopted into the Heavenly Father's family, God Almighty became your Father and Jesus, your elder brother, and the Holy Ghost, our comforter, and we can have, <laughs> we can have a relationship between the triune God and our soul that will enable us to come forth conquerors over death, hell, and the grave to the glory and the praise of the Most High God. Praise His name forever. I pass from the defense and the duty to the delight. The delight is in the fulfilled promise. He will. He will. Not He may, not He's apt to, not He will if He can. He will. Draw nigh to you. Blessed be His name forever. And when He draws near, the light breaks through on the other end of the tongue. When, 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 the, when He draws near, uh, the, the clouds are rifted. When He draws near, when He draws near, you can feel like the psalmist of old that you could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Resist the devil and he will flee from you, drawn out of God and he will draw nigh to you. Uh, I'm glad to tell you that the promise still holds today. Amen. Now, now, wait just a minute. If, if you don't feel like you need this truth this afternoon, please don't throw it away. You may need it before this time next week. Lord bless you good. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA.